Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right. Welcome in. This is Mike Sauter. Damon Benning is, uh, uh, will be joining us uh, shortly, hopefully. Um, that is the music that Damon loves so much that he did not come up with. Um, but um, I believe Sasha came up with it, the uh, producer extraordinaire. I'm Mike Sauter. Damon's coming. And our guest this week is Ashlyn Greenwood principal, Brad Jacobson. And I wanted, it, it was my idea, and Damon said it was all right to have um, Mr. Jacobson on. I was going to say coach, which is probably about the same thing too. So um, Brad, not only just principal, but uh, has been a basketball coach, a football coach, an AAU basketball coach, a father um, of multiple children. And I'm sure I'm missing something in there, which he can kind of correct me. Am I, what am I missing, Brad? Well, that keeps me busy. <laughs> uh, you know, just I, I think uh, currently I am I'm also involved in leadership as far as like the Nebraska school administrators. So I am the, the yeah. current chair or as of tomorrow, I will be the current chair of the Nebraska Council of School Administrators. So I've, I've been involved in statewide leadership and with that organization as well. That's right. I forgot about that. I mean, I should have should remember that. So let's just start kind of there. I mean, how did you get involved with that? What is, what is, what does that all involve? And, you know, like how much time are you going to, you don't have a lot of extra time anyway. So. Well, the time aspect, I guess, remains to be seen. So it can get pretty busy. Um, You know, I think like a lot of service leadership type things, you know, how I got involved was somebody suggested that I get involved or asked me to get involved and, and, uh, Nebraska school administrators, you know, have have districts or regions, and so we kind of have smaller clusters that ha- that meet on a regional basis, and then that kind of feeds up to the more uh, statewide basis. And so I have just kind of um, been involved in that as far as you know, service back to the organization uh, for school administrators, and it just so happens that in twenty one twenty two, I will serve as the chair of the organization. So it's kind of cool. It's, it's pretty rare. And a lot of states have professional organizations, uh, but they don't necessarily combine all of the administrative groups. So you might have a principal's organization or a elementary principal's organization. There could be a special education director or superintendents. But in Nebraska, um, the umbrella organization is the Nebraska Council of School Administrators. And then there are affiliates underneath that. So there's secondary principals, elementary principals, special ed, business officials, um, superintendents, uh, all of that. So then, you know, the, the board that I'm on has actually representatives from all of those groups, which is pretty interesting to, to really be able to see um, schools from every possible lens, not just through the lens of a high school principal. Yeah. What's, 
what are some of the biggest challenges I guess you guys face as a or are facing outside? Obviously, it's COVID, right? I mean, that's continues to be a challenge. Sure. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But I, I think you know, anytime you have a, a professional group, it creates a network, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's you know that that's no different than any other than any other profession likely. I mean, you, you lean on each other and you end up kind of getting those people that you go to. So I think one of the things that, that a group like that does is it, it, it intentionally creates opportunities for not only the training and the, and the background, but it also to, to create the opportunity for people to connect and network and, you know, make our own small groups. And so, you know, there's always challenges with um, like legislation mm-hmm. and, you know, we were heavily involved in the conversations along those lines because sometimes as we all know, people that make laws don't necessarily remember or have a great connection with the people that the laws impact. And so we try to, we try to give our, our voices through how it impacts schools and those kind of things. So, but yeah, certainly COVID's on the forefront of everybody's mind and, and the rapidity of change that comes with that. You said rapidity of change is great. How do you adjust every day is something different. It feels like when dealing with COVID or just as a principal in general, how do you deal, how do you handle change? And, and not just saying COVID right now, but what are one of the maybe one, two, three things that you look to just to pivot and, and flexibility is there, um, is there, you know, podcasts you listen to, to, to learn new things. Are there people that you reach out to um, maybe other principals? What, what are the one, two, three things that you, kind of go to to stay flexible well i think you know being reflective i think any any good leader has has an ability or you know has in their nature the ability to kind of look back and and get a feel for how things went and sometimes sometimes you know when things don't go well uh you know hopefully as a leader i'm i'm capable of understanding when they don't go well and at the same time, if they do go well, understanding you know, who, where the credit needs to go and sharing that credit with the right people and, you know, and, and trying to then continue that momentum. And you know, like anybody else, if it works well, we would repeat it. So I think there's got to be a level of reflectiveness. Um, you know, one of the things that is, is, can be very difficult uh, in, a, in a leadership role is you know, leaders have, I guess, for lack of a better word, have static or stress too, right? The things that interrupt our ability to be most effective and to be able to filter through this, you know, my own static to be as effective as I can. While when you're the leader, other, a lot of times other people are bringing you their static as well. And so I'm not saying I'm terribly, always terribly good at that because, you know, dealing with my own static and then having somebody else want to share theirs with me as well. And yet that's part of being a leader is you have to be able to help people, help your employees, help parents, help students navigate um, the things that cause them stress. And so, I mean, it's a constant balancing act. Um, You know, I think every day is different. I can have an agenda. I can have a checklist and the checklist may or may not get done, um, but you have a lot of impact on people and opportunities to have impact on people every day. So um, I think you you just have to look for those opportunities and and hopefully do the best you can with them when they they come. How do you handle static? That's a good, that's a good term. I'm going to, you want to stay there for a second. How do you, how do you manage it a little bit? I mean, everyone has different static or I'm, I, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but I use that as come to you with their problems or different things that they need. It would be maybe the, the term there is what I'm looking for. Um, balancing that and, and prioritizing 
that? How do you prioritize as a leader of a school and organizations and as a coach even? How do you prioritize the static? Well, I suppose, you know, and, and they don't always have to be problems. Right. You know, they often right. are. They right. often manifest them. But I think, you know, certainly it's the things that cause us to not be able to be at our peak. And so, um, you know, I think th- the first thing I have to be able to do is recognize when I'm when I have my own mm-hmm. static. Right. And, yeah. you know, what things cause me to get knocked off of my own game, um, what things make me frustrated or angry or unhappy or whatever it might be. And then, you know, because if I can't see those, there, there's not much likelihood that I'm going to be able to help anybody with, with theirs. Um, and at the same time, it's not just about me taking on everybody else's either. Sometimes it's just helping them navigate their own because that's what they're really, that's what they're looking for too. I, I don't really think there's a lot of people that just love to dump everything off of themselves onto others. Right. Sometimes we, it feels like that maybe, and sometimes it may appear that way. I just think sometimes we just need some help at figuring out how to navigate our own because it, it never goes away. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's always those things or those people or those instance instances that cause us to not be at our best. And so it's just a matter of trying to figure out the, the best possible way to, to, to manage those and be as effective as we can. And, you know, if you get, if you get it wrong one day, you always have the next day to start over and try again. At Ashley Greenwood, there's, different challenges than um, Omaha Central, Omaha South, Lincoln High, um, Grand Isle. There's just different challenges, right? Like you have you have different problems, different things hit you. How much do you rely on some of your uh, counterparts at, at other schools, maybe even bigger schools, um, for advice or just bouncing ideas? Or how much do you share um, with with some of those other administrators to, to kind of help you help guide you in, in decision-making or, or who might be some of the people that you, you know, look to as a mentor for some of those things. You know, I, I think my immediate group of people are always going to be people that are, have schools or situations more similar to mine than, right. than different. And, you know, so I think, you know, last, last March of twenty was it 2019, right? When yeah. all this first started, right? you know, yeah. that even that first spring and summer, I actually created a couple of, we had our, our conference, our Nebraska Capital Conference uh, principals group. And then I had another group that I just kind of put together of people from, you know, as far as far in the Southwest as Hershey. And, mm-hmm. um, and we just put kind of a small group of us together and we would meet on a weekly basis and then a biweekly basis just to kind of get a feel for, you know, ideas or how, how people are handling things. Um, you know, certainly, I think in my in this in my you know role as being involved in leadership at the state level at with, through the council of school administrators, I've I've probably gotten no more leaders from larger schools and different sizes schools. And there is the conversation is different. You know, I think um, you know one thing I I have reflected on a little bit is you know like um, a lot a lot of times the role of the principal isn't a whole lot different in any school. There's just either more kids or that you may have you know, instead of one assistant principal that I have, you might have six, right? I mean, so the, the role can be, you know, as far as what, what's expected, uh, you know, setting a clear agenda, um, you know, you know, prioritizing teaching and learning, um, you know, working on building culture and having kids feel accepted and want to be part of your school. Those things really don't change that with any effective school leader, um, regardless of the size. And sometimes the challenges can be different and, you know, because of, 
of the makeup of the school district or the socioeconomic status of the school district. There are different issues that come to the administrator because of that. Um, but it's, you know, so, and everybody's got some, some pretty good skill and stories about how they might be successful. So certainly, um, you know, I think my, my go-to group are more people that are mm-hmm. like, like size, like we are. Um, and, and yet there's, there's value in talking to people from smaller schools. And, you know, part of my, one of my groups, I, we, we had a Saunders County group as well. So it was, you know, it was the Catholic schools, Bishop Newman, it was the public schools, Wahoo, Cedar Bluffs, Ashton Greenwood. It was a small school, Mead and Utan. So like even our group in Saunders County got together and you know, including Raymond Central. So we had some of us that are, are similar, but everybody's got a little bit different situation. It was, it, it, it's good. It's good conversation and good to learn from each other. Is there a, is there a mentor you have that you, that you, have learned from the most? Well, I try to, you know, I, I'm kind of a social person. So I, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I connect with a lot of different people. And I think, you know, if, if we go with, you know, mentors, I think there's been a, a few, um, you know, my dad was a, a career, my dad, Steve was a career educator. And so it was a guidance counselor. So, and a coach as well. So certainly when you have a parent that is passionate about the, the job and, and has a great experience and comes home happy, um, it's, it's pretty easy to, to see that it could be a good profession. Um, my high school coach was Jerry Eikhoff, and he was also a high school administrator. And, and I think he's now sitting third, I think, in the all-time wins list in Nebraska. Um, but, you know, ultra successful, very organized guy, um, just, you know, real passionate individual, but had a, had a real, real way about him. Um, and then, you know, just some others. I mean, my own, I've had some really good bosses. So I've had you know, uh, Craig Pease is, is retiring from Wayne State. Um, so he retired from public and then he went to Wayne State was and taught school administrators for a while. Just a great, uh, very intelligent um, leader. Um, Zach Kassebaum, who's now the superintendent at Lincoln Christian. Um, you know, all, very different. Yeah, so I, and then I have Jason Leibel now. So I've had three bosses here at Raymond or at uh, Ashton Creenwood, all of whom are very different and different sets of strengths. But it's been kind of cool for me to watch watch their leadership styles, and I've learned I've you know learned some things from each one of them as as far as far as how they've approached it, and and a lot of that you know again how they've dealt and led and pushed me out of my comfort zone a little bit too. What do, I just want to stay with leadership, right? Is what's what's the one piece of advice you would give to a younger leader? Not saying right now, COVID is different. Hopefully, we'll get out of that eventually. But I'm just saying, as a, as an administrator, or or not a, a school administrator, or or a coach, or um, a business leader, is there one piece of advice that you kind of stick to, or or a go to thing? You know, I it's, I think a concept that really resonated with me started way back. You know, when I was you know teaching teaching high school PE and and coaching, and there was a guy, and I. I don't remember if I think I think this guy's it was Frosty Westering, and I believe he was a very successful NAIA coach. And I want to say it was like in Washington State. I might be wrong on his location. Had a lot of success, and, and I'm pretty sure he wrote a book. If it was either about him or the the author was was a Westering, but it was about. And I think it was titled "Make the Big Time Where You Are," mm-hmm. and the whole message wasn't about you know um, how to climb the ladder. It was just about you know whatever position you're currently in then, you know, if you truly, you know, aspire to develop as a leader, or maybe you do truly aspire to, to climb the ladder, then the best thing you can do at the moment is to be the best person, the best employee, the best coach, the best teacher in the situation you're in at the time. Mm-hmm. 
And so whether, you know, when I started my career at St. Edward, Nebraska, and I was teaching K-12 PE and coaching every sport, seventh grade through 12th grade, except for volleyball, everything else I had a hand in, um, you know, and that, so it was, you know, basically two seasons, every season, yeah. um, you know, right. And so you just, you make the best where you are. And I think that's, you know, that here in, in this role, you know, I was, I was a PE teacher and coaching and, and then I became the, the high school, the middle and high school principal. And I think, you know, um, yeah, I, at some point, and I, and I didn't have a lot of like pushback. I didn't have other staff members going, Oh boy. Like I didn't have the physics teacher going, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. This guy that used to wear shorts and t-shirts to, to work is now going to tell me how to be a physics teacher. And, you know, so I think I had hopefully created a, a, a good atmosphere and, and taken my role seriously um, as a teacher and as a coach and, and, you know, did my, did my best to be part of leadership committees and those kind of things while on staff. And, and so um, that probably, I suppose would be just as a concept is, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at now. Um, you know, you can't, you can't stink and think you're in under your head. Like if you think you're in a spot that you don't, that you deserve to be at a higher spot and you do a crappy job, you're probably not going to go very far. You know, you have, every, every situation you have to give it your best. Yeah. That's good, man. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to, write that to go back and write that down. I'm just saying for my own personal stuff. So thanks for that. Um, I'm kind of motivated. I, I need to find that book now too. What? So you correct me if I'm wrong, but you grew up or graduate high school from Hampton. <clears throat> correct. Hampton Hawks. Was it the hot? It's always been the Hawks, right? Always been the Hawks. Okay. So you've been literally everywhere. Kind well, of. everywhere within, you know, in the Midwest of yeah. central, central and Eastern Nebraska. So that's, that's, yeah, right. that's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you've been, you know, you've seen different levels of, of, yeah. and I'm going to go to sports now. Okay. Sure. So you've seen different levels. You Hampton, you coached football, six man, right? Football. It was eight man. Eight man. Ed was eight man at the time. Okay. All right. So you coach eight man football. You've, um, coached basketball, and then this summer you've had a, an opportunity to coach some really high-level athletes with Nebraska Supreme and and Isaac Trout, Jason Green, Jay Dawson. I mean, I'm not going to go down the roster, but some really high-level guys, right? What's been um, the one thing coaching-wise that you learned from the most throughout everything? Is there a is there a one kind of coaching thing that you that that you've learned? Even maybe something even this past summer that you didn't know or 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 didn't expect. Well, that's just that's just a small little question, Mike. Yeah, no, it's, over a, it's pretty it's pretty broad. Twenty, yeah, twenty, but, almost thirty year career. Here. Okay, here, let's just go. Let's start with. Um, let me re- rephrase it or or redo it. How about this summer? What was something that you maybe learned that you didn't know um, with your, you know, 20 some years that coaching in, I mean, coaching AAU basketball is clearly different than high school. Was there one thing that you kind of learned that was like, oh, okay. I I guess I didn't know that. You know, I I don't know if it came around this summer. You know, I think it, probably the first time it was kind of an aha moment was uh, it was 2008. And that was the first time I coached. That was a mm-hmm. Bison team at the time. Right. And they had also a very high level team 
not quite to the extent of what this outfit that I was involved with this past summer, but it had Elliot Elias and uh, Jordan Tyrants, Tyler Evans would be some of the guys that, yep. you know, had some of the highest splash in different sports even. Right. But we had a lot of kids, you know, NAI All-Americans, um, you know, Brady Lowman was one of them. But, um, you know, I, I think at that time, you know, when we began to play, and that's, that's, that's probably, you know, it's not pre-shoe circuit, but shoe circuits hadn't totally taken over, right? So right. you're still playing a lot of, pretty high level games. And you're also playing some games that weren't very high level that we just blown, you know, blew people out. But I think, you know, the, the simplistic things in basketball, the, you know, the things that like being able to, and that this is a, you know, coach Eikhoff used to always tell us if you can't start and stop on balance, AKA without traveling, mm-hmm. you're never going to be very successful. And we could, and that doesn't, I'm not trying to go down the path of right. what's traveling anymore and what's not because <laughs> Nobody knows anymore, but you know, the, the truth part of that is, you know, there's certain things that are, if you can't start and stop with the ball or without the ball on balance, you're going to have a hard time playing basketball. And I think as you climb the level and the level that the talent level goes up and the competition level goes up, those, some of those tenets become even more true. And, you know, I, I think back to watching NBA games and listening to Larry Brown and Greg Popovich, you know, in their huddles, and, you know, they take these timeouts at these major times in NBA game. And as all Larry Brown would say is make sure you move that ball side, top side, mm. get the ball side to side. Like there was no, you know, he didn't spend the whole time out drawing up the fancy play, um, you know, get yourself in this alignment and move the ball side to side. And that's when you're going to be able to make a play. And mm. so, you know, I think there's some of it is, you know, we can, we can overthink things uh, a lot, you know, any, anytime we did this past summer that we didn't, you know, play great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we didn't always play great. I'm not sure you ever always play great. Right. I think it's a misnomer to think that, that you always start at a certain baseline. And then there's just this beautiful J curve that goes up and every team ends up peaking at the right time. It's just not realistic. It's got hills and valleys right. and peaks and, and it, you know, being able to manage that. But, but I really think you have to be able to hang your hat on some of those solid things, uh, ball movement, um, footwork, um, you know, defense, you know, and some of those things. And, you know, there's, and I think that the, the higher you go with the level, you know, yeah, you can kind of get sucked into this thought of all, look at all the offensive things we could do. You know, I got all this talent. If I did this and did this and did this, well, the reality is you don't practice very much in the summertime, right? right? That's one of the things that makes it different than high school. Um, so you have to be able to keep things simple enough. And then it kind of falls back again on, you know, if I if I reverse the ball, I've got five talented players and we share the ball, we're going to be pretty hard to guard and score a lot of points. Right. Yeah. And if we don't do that, we're, we, we could very easily struggle. So there's that probably I'm um, so that's a long answer. But, no, uh, a... you, just, you just open it up, Mike, and I just start. Talking. Oh, yeah, you're good. No, that there's two things there that you can take outside of sports. If you if the first one. And correct me if I'm wrong. If you don't start and stop on balance, what was it? You can't start and stop on balance. You're not going to be a successful basketball player. So in life, you can say the same thing, right? I would think that'd be a pretty good spot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Genius. I'll give that one. That's that is coach Eikhoff from Hampton. That was one of his. Yeah. That's on on our detailed scouting reports. He would say this player is not very effective at stopping on balance, which was all, all of us knew that was that also meant out of control. Yes. Yeah. 
So, it, but that, that can be a life metaphor. And another thing is in a leadership situation, if you aren't sharing the ball or responsibilities, et cetera, then you're probably not going to be as successful. 100%. And a lot of that comes with, with trust too, right? Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has to be able right. to demonstrate that, and especially the leaders have to be able to demonstrate that they can, that they can start and stop and stay on balance and that they can you know, manage those peaks and valleys and not get too super excited when they don't need to be and not get too distraught when they don't need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, so <clears throat> life has thrown some challenges um, your way. I, I want to talk about Kale, your son. Obviously, he's going through an injury um, or on the back endish of an injury, I guess, hopefully at this point. Um, how difficult has that been, being a dad in that situation, knowing what his goals are, you know, for his future? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's an emotional side of just right. being a parent and seeing your kid injured. And I think, you know, one of the things that both Stacy, Stacy, and I would would say instantly. Um, first of all, it was it was kind of a a very powerful thing, but a cool thing too. Is the number of people that reached out to us that people we didn't necessarily know very well. Like they had to, you know, they had to work their way to find contact information and send us emails or text messages or whatever it was. But other parents that have experienced that, and you know, we're not we're not crazy people. I mean, like we don't we don't live in like it's not like it's life or death that you know, playing basketball or football or whatever the yeah. case is, you know, we, we enjoy the heck out of sports. There's no question. My wife was, a, was, a, was an athlete as well. And so we really enjoy it. We love watching our kids like, like all parents do, uh, but we feel like we've got a pretty good, pretty good balance as to what's important and what's not, but it, it's really hard when you're, when your child is injured or broken, it's hard. And I think so. We, one thing we and really have appreciated is others that have reached out to us and it has kind of changed the way we react when, when we were playing against someone or someone on the court gets hurt, um, we have, you, we have a different reaction, right? And it doesn't matter if it's our own team or the other team, like you're, you're just, your heart instantly breaks wondering if it's going to be something really serious, you know, or something that takes a long time, like an ACL. And, you know, I think that's the other part of it is, you know, at our age, um, you know, nine months, we're, we're, we're coming up, we're about three weeks away from the ninth month. That's usually kind of a, kind of a minimum magic number for ACLs and sometimes longer. Now uh, we're getting close to that. That's a, you know, for us, nine months goes by pretty quick, mm-hmm. you know, for a set for a teenager, you know, he's now 18, nine months is a long time. Yeah. And, the, and the stuff, you know, and you go through all the things that kids have missed. We've talked about that a lot with COVID and now you kind of pile on top of an injury on top of that. So, so there's definitely a, a emotional piece to it that that's just flat out stinks. And, you know, he's managed it really well. We're, we're very proud of him how he's, and he's, he's still a leader with his teams and um, you know, his high school team, both football and basketball did well last year. And, and the football team is starting off well so far. We just only played one game. But, yeah. um, I think, you know, he's done everything he can do. I think that the, the flip side of it, you know, that recruiting side of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is also part of it. Um, you know, again, you mix in the fact that it's just weird anyway, right? Cause you know, COVID disrupted so much last summer mm-hmm. and what visits and what you can and can't do. And then the injury. So now, you know, now we're in this mode of, you know, you have people that have never actually seen him play in person. Yeah. So the ones that didn't see him play last summer in 20, not summer 21, but summer of 20, they were planning on coming to the season last year. Yeah. 
And then the game, it was game one. It was, you know, yeah. third quarter of game one when he got hurt. So, you know, nobody has actually physically been in the same gym as, as him to see him play. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, certainly there is a kind of a wait, waiting game, trying to figure out, you know, and as, as offers are coming to others. And it's not like people aren't interested. They just want to see him play. Right. And we fully get that. Like, I, I, you know, I would be surprised if, there would be a lot of offers if right. they haven't ever actually seen the kid play. So, yeah. but it certainly adds to the stress. And then, you know, all the kids in college getting extra years and, you know, roster management is, is a phrase that we're hearing a lot from coaches, which kind of basically is a, a way for them to say, we're not, we're not really sure. I mean, yeah. even though his kids surprise them and then the opening of the transfer portal to crazy world has changed things. And so it's just really a unique situation. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm still confident and have faith that, you know, he'll find a good landing spot and he'll, he'll find a, a, a program that he fits in and feels good about. And so not, we're not scared about it. It's just, right. it's been a unique experience for sure. What's the, maybe um, something you can share with a parent that um, might have to go through this um, kid gets injured, star player, right? Kid gets injured, has, recruiting interests and stuff and then boom it happens what's one thing you know piece of advice that you can give a give someone or a parent that that may either have or or is or will go through that you know some of it's you know kind of the the and this is going to sound very very mechanical of it but you know we were really interested in what some advice you know some advice is you know we called a lot of people mm-hmm. we called therapist and medical people and anybody we could, you know, people that have been through it before and just said, what, what advice do you have? And just listen, we listen to some other parents. So feel free to do that. Like, and I've, I've, you know, um, shared that with other people too. If somebody, you know, gets hurt and, you know, I, I've sent messages now to others and found their numbers and done the same thing. And, and I made some of those phone calls to people that I'd never met before and just said, all right, give me some pitfalls. Tell me what to look for. You know, one of those things, and if you're a college athlete and you get hurt, you know, once you're cleared from your therapy, then you've got, you know, you've got a physical therapist, you've got a basketball trainer in this case, you've got a, you know, a strength coach, all these things, and they're all working to get you back on that court, and then they'll pass you off to the coaches, and the coaches will take over, right? Right. But there's guidance along the way. Unfortunately, in high school, whether, you know, and, and we don't have an athletic trainer out of school our size, we have a visiting a person that visits every week. Um, we have one like at many of our events that we hire separately, but they're not an employee of, of Ashton Green with us here every day. So there's that kind of that weird gap between when they're cleared from when the therapist says, hey, you know, you yeah. finished my progression, you're good. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It didn't make a lot of sense to my wife and I that we're just going to have this kid, you know, throw him out there on a basketball court mm-hmm. and have him start playing live five on five. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't make any, that didn't make much sense no. to us. So trying to find, um, you know, and we, we think we found, you know, we, we like, you know, we did a lot of research on our therapist and we kind of sought out a specific type of therapy, physical therapist. And, and it's okay to ask questions. I think sometimes, you know, I don't know that our surgeon was fully, you know, he, he liked the therapist that he would have prescribed, but that's not who we picked. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but that's, he's our kid and, and Kale was and a big part of it was him too. Mm-hmm. You know, we met multiple therapists and they weren't interviews, but you know, we wanted our son to be comfortable where he was going to go for the next nine months, right? Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. So that, that would be that one thing is to try to address that gap that happens when therapy is over and competition restarts. 
you know, trying to find some, some people with some specialization, strength coaches, you know, there's a lot of those outfits out there now that do a lot of really great work um, mm-hmm. to recondition, you know, athletes. And, and so I think we've, we think we found a couple, I mean, UNMC does some research for uh, on ACLs and that's been a, that's been a great gift um, information that not, not necessarily because we understand it because we don't, um, but it's very easy to see some growth and improvement and kind of create that confidence. And uh, so that's been a kind of a cool thing that we were able to get Kale involved in as well. And he was willing to do that. We've learned a lot from that too. So that might be one piece of advice is reach out to others that have been through it mm-hmm. and uh, don't be afraid to ask questions and make sure you find a good fit for your kid. How do you handle adversity? Cause like it, at the beginning of the conversation, you, you know, your adversity is different than, others adversity right like your your adversity in ashland greenwood's different than omaha north how do you how do, how do you handle it or what's your best advice for handling yeah adversity? well you know on my mind recently i i, I like john gordon stuff and maybe mm-hmm. it's because john gordon writes really short books so it can hold <laughs> my attention span i don't know but his book about the coffee bean I, I think is a really, is a great message. And it, you know, one, one of the things I, that I used to preach to my players all the time was, you know, practicing and preparing isn't about avoiding adversity. Like it doesn't, because the other team is trying to beat you just as bad as you're trying to beat them. So it, it's not a matter of we're going to play so well that there's not going to be any adversity. And if, if that's the case, the team we're playing just is it's not very good. Right. So then you just don't, you may not need to do much, but you know, one of the things about, you know, shoe circuit basketball, but it's also the same thing is true when I coach seventh and eighth graders in winter league. And I have a first, a second grader right now in flag football, right? Things aren't going to go as planned. Right. That's just part of the deal. So the coffee bean message is, you know, it, when that hot water hits you and are you a carrot, are you going to get soft because of that hot water? Or are you an egg? Are you going to have a hardened heart and hate everybody because of that adversity? Or are you going to be the coffee bean that transforms your environment around you? Oftentimes, I think we think of ourselves as just the water yeah. and that we're going to be fully in control of who we are as the water. And the reality is well, we're not really controlling the water. The water's coming at us. We have to be able to control how we respond to it. And that's that's that response to adversity is is that 90-10 principle is it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Teams that win, you know, teams that advance through the state tournament and win three games in a row, they, they don't play great three games in a row, mm-hmm. three days in a row. They, they, one of those three games, they survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, you could go back through state tournament programs for 100 years, and right. very, very seldom will you see it, you know, and you look at something, you go, man, that 1-8 game, you know, look at that. That was, you know, they, they just barely won 44-42. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they end up winning by 30 the next two rounds and everybody thinks how dominant it was. But um, you, you got you used to have to find a way to, you know, in that, that case to fight through that adversity and find a way to win. All right. Co- well, I, OK, Coach Jacobson, I was going to say coach or Mr. Jacobson, Principal Jacobson, whatever title, all those titles work. Well, it's, it's been interesting because uh, many of, I have a lot of parents now that yeah. are bringing kids to middle and high school that still call me coach Jacobson. And so right. they'll walk up and they'll say, Hey coach. And their, their kid will look up and go, 
coach. (laughs) And so, but you know, I think because I've coached my own sons, uh, Dane's a sophomore and now I have the little one too. Like there is a, but there is a a generation of people that still look kind of go coach. Are you a coach? (laughs) In a former life I was, I'm a recovering coach now. So, all right. I, we appreciate your time today and, uh, insight. Let's, uh, that's good stuff. I'm going to have to go back and write some stuff down from this. So. All right. Always great to, uh, to chat with you. And, and again, thanks for your time and uh, appreciate you. Thanks, Mike. And, and I'll say thanks to, to Damon's headphones. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just, just a needle in. Yeah, that's all right. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Yep. That was Ashlyn Greenwood, principal former coach at multiple stops and coached some AAU basketball this summer, Brad Jacobson. Uh, pretty good insight there. That was, uh, that was pretty good. So appreciate him for taking the time and uh, giving us a little bit different perspective than what we'd normally see here. A Huda Media Production.